0: How are y'all this morning? I'm glad to hear that. And uh, man, lots of stuff going on. I understand our camera function is not working well, but you got the audio. So pretend like you're listening to the radio. (laughs) I've found I'm enjoying ball games more listening to it on the radio than watching them anymore, and uh, that may be something. Everybody has asked me how my trip to the Bahamas was. Did I have a good time? Did I go fishing? I got to the uh, Freeport Wednesday. The time I cleared customs stuff it was about 1 o'clock. Um, Rick Schusler picked me up. We went to Wendy's to eat. He, he loves fast food. <laughs> <laughs> then we went to the uh, Champ Center. We started working, started cleaning up, trying to get ready for the great big presentation that's coming. Uh, the dedication with the Prime Minister of the Bahamas. And we realized that there's a whole big red stripe around that building that needs to be painted on the floor. So the next day, from we got there about after Burger King for breakfast, we went to, <laughs> we went to the Champ Center and we started uh, cutting in the paint. And you have to go fast because that paint is an epoxy paint. You mix it up and then within two hours, it's, it's hard as a rock or more like rubber. And so we went through that, and then we finally got that floor set. Friday we came in and started moving chairs and taking down scaffolding and making sure the bathrooms were clean to get everything together. So basically from Wednesday till um, Saturday, I worked. Um, there wasn't a, the, the good things was I did get to go out to eat at night. There's a little Greek restaurant that covers everything. So, so the first night I was there, I had crack conch. Y'all know what that is? Okay. Second night, i have lobster tail. And and you know, the prices over there for that is not what it is here. And then I had some sort of pasta with with shrimp in it. And I ate well uh, at night. Everything else was Burger King. See, they don't have McDonald's. So it was Burger King, Wendy's, Kentucky Fried Chicken. That was pretty much it. Yeah. So. Um, It was a great trip, though. Let me tell you, the dedication was about a a two-and-a-half-hour thing. There were politicians. The prime minister spoke last, but there was a whole bunch of other politicians had to speak first. You know, one good thing about this camera, I just noticed, I can move around. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Um, Man, I'm really happy now. (laughs) Uh, Excuse me. Um, Politicians are long-winded. And uh, so it was a a two-and-a-half-hour ceremony, but let me tell you, it was a excellent thing. And uh, Darren Roll, you, some of you remember when he came and spoke here, he worked those politicians over for more money to do another phase and to get more stuff happening. And he says, you know, you guys ought to just pay for all of our electricity. Somebody decided they pay for electricity for the year. It, good stuff. Um, good things happening. That had a big dedication for the boys this week at the Falcons Boys Club. Um, several came to know Christ. Uh, tremendous opportunities in Freeport. You know, we, were, we, we want to have missionaries all around the world, but I would like, and we do, and we will continue to do so, but I kind of like the idea of being able to work on the field. Freeport, it takes 20 minutes by airplane. In fact, you spend more time sitting at the airport and going through customs and everything else than you do on the airplane. It's two and a half, two and a half hours by boat. And there's some boats you can go and it'll take you in overnight because they ride around in the um, ocean so people can gamble. But you can actually take a cruise ship over there. We have some opportunities there working with the Champs Center and with the Falcon Boys Club, uh, teaching basketball, doing vacation Bible schools. Uh, One of the things we did get to do, too, I went over to the children's home. We'd sent a lot of furniture for the children's home. Uh, through Bacons, and, man, we were really appreciative of that. And what we found out is a lot of the stuff that went in, I saw some of the beds and some of the things. But after the hurricane, um, Dorian, the staff, all their stuff was wiped out. So a lot of the stuff that we sent over, which was more fitted for homes, went in to help the staff. And the staff of the, the children's home were just overwhelmed with gratitude toward us when they found out we had sent that to them. Um, they want us to come and work there. So we can take a mission trip to Freeport, stay in a nice place, uh, have a great time, eat at Burger King and, and uh, uh, Wendy's, and uh, they do have a Pollo Tropical, but um, Rick didn't go there. Um, and then we have great food at night. So, But uh, there's a lot of opportunity for us to be part of that. And then while I was there, he started twisting my arm and and telling me about another project I think we need to pray about. Um, He has an opportunity in Dominican Republic to build a clinic, medical clinic. And uh, so he is working on that. He's telling me he could build it for $80,000. I said, great. Uh, But he would like for us to be able to send teams down to hang drywall and do different things. And um, so we're going to pray about that. Um, you know, we can reach the Caribbean, and it's fairly inexpensive for us to travel there compared to other parts of the world, and we can make a big difference. So that's my Bahamas trip, and now he wants me to go to the DR, and I've never been there. So, Fernando, i got to keep going to those Spanish lessons so I can at least get by there or just take you with me, and you can be my interpreter. <laughs> that might be the thing to do. All right. Okay, guys, if you will, turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 11. We finally made it out of Mark 10, going into Mark 11, and um, this is a, a special time. I, you know, I really enjoy going passage by passage through a book, because we're able to dig in and then see the application. And today, we're going to be talking about the triumphal entry. So it's Mark chapter 11, verses 1 through 11. Let's, uh, let's read the, the scripture this morning. And when they came nigh to Jerusalem unto Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, he sendeth forth two of his disciples, and saith unto them, Go your way into the village over against you, and as soon as you be entered in, into it, you shall find a colt tied, whereon never man set. Loose him and bring him. And if any man say unto you, Why do ye this? Say ye that the Lord hath need of him, And straightway he will send him hither. And they went their way and found the colt tied by the door without in a place where two ways met. And they loose him. And a certain of them that stood there said unto them, What do ye loosening the colt? And they said unto him, Even as Jesus had commanded, and they let them go. And he bought the colt, to Jesus and cast their garments on him and he set upon him and many spread their garments in the way and others cut down branches off trees and stro- um, strawed them in the way. And they that went before and they that followed cried saying Hosanna blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of our father David that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And Jesus entered into Jerusalem and into the temple. And when he had looked round about upon things, and now the evening tide was come, he went out unto Bethany with the twelve. <clears throat> if I'd have been faster, we would have done this the week before Easter because that would have been the right thing to do because that's what we're looking at. This is the week before Easter. Jesus has finally made it back to uh, Jerusalem, the Passover feast is getting ready to happen. And he has come up through Jericho where he healed a blind man. He had his uh, encounter with Zacchaeus in Jericho and they're up to Jerusalem and it's going into his last week. And we call this a triumphal inf- the, the triumphal entry. Uh, and it is. It's amazing uh, the triumph that was there. Uh, Jerusalem at, at Passover time, It was, everybody was there. All the Jews came to Jerusalem from all over the country. Now, the Romans, it made them crazy because they had all this big crowd to have to put up with, right? They have to to fix this stuff. So it's a little bit uh, challenging for them. The population of Jerusalem more than tripled during this feast. So the Roman military was there on special alert. Everything was just It was ready for, for, they were ready for the possibility of panic or for riots or or for whatever may happen. I just read this last week that there was a religious festival in northern Israel and uh, the crowds were overwhelming and people started falling and I think it was 46 people were trampled to death. That's what religion will do for you. Put you all in one place and yeah. Jesus is on the road, and, and he uh, first arrived at the town of Bethany and then came to Bethpage. This is only about two miles from Jerusalem. It's right there by the, the, the uh, Mount of Olives, and it, it, it's very close, and we're all there. Now, you couldn't tell where they are today because things have grown up, but you can be on the Mount of Olives yeah. and look across into where the temple would have been. Amazing place. It's about 2,600 feet in height. And uh, it's an incredible view. I've been pleasured to see that view from the Mount of Olives. Okay, so what do we, well, great, Dale, you're telling me all this fun stuff. Um, Trivia, next time you play Trivial Pursuit, you got a little bit of knowledge. Let me start getting into breaking down the scripture a little bit, okay? One of the first things we see here is we're going to see prophecy fulfilled. And they bought the colt to Jesus and cast their garments on him, and he set upon him, and many spread their garments in the way, and others cut down branches off trees and strawed them in the way. Zechariah, that's an Old Testament prophet, Old Testament book, chapter 9, verse 9 says this, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion! Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem! Behold, the king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation lowly and riding upon an ass and upon a colt, the foal of an ass. You see, this king of ours, this this Jesus, he knew everything that was going to happen. And he is fulfilling everything that was ever spoken of in the Old Testament about the Messiah. And we see it right here. This is prophecy. It's coming to happen. uh, true right before the eyes of people. He is in this little town, and he tells his disciples, hey, man, you go over, and there's going to be uh, a colt. It's a donkey, okay? And there's going to be a donkey there, and no one's ever set on this donkey, and uh, you're going to go get that donkey and bring it here, and then I'm going to go in town, one of the first and the strangest times because you know, Jesus newly tried to stay hidden. He's proclaiming himself on this day. He's proclaiming himself on this day. He sent two of the disciples. I don't know which ones it were. Um, pick a couple. There's 12. I don't know. Uh, the Bible never tells us who they are. But this is an important thing. And you know, it's recorded in every one of the, uh, the Gospels, this whole thing. He's fulfilling his prophecy. Jesus accomplishes two things in doing this. He declared himself to be Israel's king. He declared himself to be the Messiah. And he deliberately challenged the religious leaders. By the way, this set in motion the official plot that led to his arrest and crucifixion. All through Mark, we've talked about how Jesus is always messing with the religious crowd, okay? The, the, the Jews have missed everything they were ever taught. They, they've added traditions and they've added rituals and they've added stuff and, and, and they've, they've made following God such a burden. <clears throat> and Jesus is trying to free people of that. God in the flesh is standing before them and they hate him him because they're messing with the status quo goes a little farther for, for most of the, the, um, uh, the religious crowd, the Jews. And when you see that in the Bible, Jews with a capital, that is the, the religious leadership. That is the leadership of the, of the Jewish crowd. It's not the average person. He's mess, Not only is he messing with their traditions, he's messing with their money because they make money off all this stuff. And they are also, he's messing with their power structure because, see, they wanted to be the greatest and as he is doing this, and this event is going to set in motion the, the Passion Week, which will end in the trial, then the death of Jesus. And a new week will start with the resurrection of our Jesus. So now we go, he's, got his, he's fulfilled this prophecy on, about the cult, and now he's going to go in and you'll see the coronation of the king. Verse 7 says, and they bought the colt to Jesus, and they cast their garments on him, and he sat upon them, and they spread the garments all out in the way, and they cut down the branches, and everybody's singing, Hosanna, blessed is he that, that cometh in the name of the Lord, blessed is the kingdom of our father David that cometh in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. This is Jesus's coronation as the true king. It portrays uh, his last major public appearance before the crucif- crucifixion the importance of this event is, is is really it's indicated that every gospel all four cover the same event you know that doesn't happen notice how each gospel covers a little bit different things this event is covered in all four now what you're going to see is that there, there are going to be tons and tons of people thousands of thousands of people and, and it's it not just the the, the, the religious the Um, Jerusalem Jews who were there. It's people from all over and they've heard about Jesus and they recognize him as king. And as he is coming in, they are excited about this. The only people not excited are the Jews there in Jerusalem because, man, he's messing with them. So we have the king coming in. The coronation, he is lifted up. They're welcoming a king. It's kind of interesting about this. You wonder what the the Romans thought. Because you know, when Romans, when they came in, when somebody came in on a king, they came in on either in big chariots, you know, with the big fine horses, or they were on horseback and, and there was all pomp and circumstance. And Jesus comes in lowly on a on a donkey, and the people are throwing their clothes in the way. That's part of a recognition of his kingship. And they're throwing branches down, and he's coming in humble. A true king. The word Hosanna means in Hebrew, save now. And it probably just kind of served as an acclamation of welcome in those days. And it says that, blessed is he who comes. Yes, they recognized, the people were recognized that this is the king of Israel, this is the king of the Jews, this is the Messiah. Look at the character of our King. Verse two says, "And he saith unto them, Go your way into the village over against you, and as soon as you be entered in, you shall find the colt tied. Bring him back. Go back to Zechariah. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion! Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem! Behold, thy King cometh unto thee. Now listen. Look at this. He is just." Boy, wouldn't it be nice to have a king that is just? And having salvation, he provides salvation to us. He's lowly and riding upon an ass. This, he didn't come in lifting himself up, he wasn't bragging about himself, he was humble. He came as a servant, he came with salvation. What an incredible king! You see, as he came in, it was was nothing like the Romans' triumph. This is God's anointed king and savior. His conquest would be spiritual and not military. Christ's triumph would be the victory of love over hatred, truth over error, and life over death. What a day that was. What a king we have. Let me ask you something. Do you really think of Jesus as king? When you hear Jesus' name, do you think of him as the king of kings and lord of lords? Or do you think of him as the baby in the manger? Or the man upon the cross? Or the great teacher? Can I tell you, He's the king. He's the king of kings. And as believers, we must follow King Jesus. So let me give you some ways that we can follow. This is going to be scripture heavy today. A lot going on here. I want to prove to you who this king is that we follow and how we can live with joy and peace and comfort because of his kingship. First of all, we just got to recognize his kingship. And they that went before and they that followed cried saying, Hosanna, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of our father David that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Just a few days later, Jesus is before Pilate and John chapter 18 verse 37 says this. Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I unto the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. He just said he's king. Revelation 1 8 I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which was and which is to come, the Almighty. Revelation 15:3 and they sing a song of Moses the servant of God and the song of the lamb saying great and marvelous are thy works lord god almighty just and true are thy ways thou king of saints that's jesus Revelation 17:4 These shall make war with the lamb and the lamb shall overcome them for he is lord of lords and king of kings and they that are with him are called and chosen and faithful Oh, by the way, those with them, that's us. Revelation 19, 11, And I saw heaven open, behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he does judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but him, he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. His name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and treadeth the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of God. And he hath on his vesture, and on his thigh, a name written, King of kings, and Lord of lords. Revelation chapter 22. I, Jesus, sent my angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and the morning star. If you really want to know who your king is, I can tell you a test. By the way, he's king no matter what. He's king. But let me ask you this. Is he king in your life? I got saved in 1981. It was late 1984 before I really got with God, got right with God, and decided to, to be obedient to him and follow him. Um, I like to say that that is the time I made Jesus the king of my life, the Lord of my life. Is he Lord of your life? Is he the king of your life? You want to know how you find out? Look at your checkbook. Where are you spending your money? Are you spending your money in places like Burger King and Wendy's? It's a good place. Yeah, I got to tell you, it, it's twice as much in the Bahamas as it is here. I did discover while I was there, I, I'd not eaten breakfast at Burger King too often. There. They got French toast sticks. That was pretty good. Their chicken biscuits over there were awful, their biscuits were terrible. where do you spend your money? Where is that going? What's happening there? You see, if you really want to know what you value, it goes, you spend money on it. If you looked at my checkbook, you'd see, uh, well, you'd see money coming here. You'd see deposits coming out. I mean, because we use that online thing. So I never even see a lot of the money. I don't see much of anything because my wife takes care of all that. She doesn't want me around it. She, she's a banker. She's okay. Just give me a little bit here and there. And as and, and long as I don't overspend, I'm okay. Money goes here. Then it goes to take care of her house. I probably spend more money at Publix than anybody that should. <laughs> but where do you spend your money? That'll tell a lot about who your king is. Where do you spend your time? What, what, how do you use your time? Again, let me, let me tell you something. I, I'm not going to, to, to um, you got to take care of your family. You need to be involved in your work. You need to be a great testimony there. That's part of being uh, right with God. Well, where do you spend your time? Where do you spend your free time? I'm not sure what that is anymore. I'm ready for a va- You just came back from the Bahamas, man. You've been on vacation. No, I wasn't on vacation. But I'm ready to go back for maybe for a vacation. Go fishing or something. I got a boat. I've got to get it in the water. Look, where do you spend your time? By the way, don't... I'm not going to try to guilt you guys into things. I hate when people do that. Don't you? I, had a, I was in Bible college, had a, um, had a huge bus ministry, and the bus pastor, he was the best guilt person I've ever seen, man. He would just wore people out. That was so wrong. I don't want to guilt you all into anything. I want you to, out of a love of Jesus Christ, spend your time serving him one way or another. There's so many ways we can serve him. How do you use your talents? Man, Charlie's been helping me this week because I'm not real talented um, when it comes to construction projects. Uh, we're, we're remodeling the our back building. Um, we had two apartments, we're making it one and then this last week, Corey touched base with me said, is there any way you can put some walls up so the kids can have two separate rooms instead of one big open thing? Well, actually it was separated into two, but it was open. So I've been putting walls up this week, and Charlie's been having such patience with me, um, trying to do things because I'm, I'm one of these guys that I can make it rough and then try to make it patch it, and it's never done right. Charlie's teaching me how to do things right. Charlie, I'm gonna need some help today. Not on this. I woke up this morning and there's this thing on top of our water heater um, that's uh, like a little tank, and water spewing everywhere. As soon as you go, I hear her go Dale. Dale. What's going on? So I walk down, water everywhere. It's raining in our garage. I'm not sure what to do about that thing. I turn the hot water off, but I do want hot water before in the morning if possible. I don't have a lot of talents, but Charlie's been using his talents. And we have guys here have been using their talents and ladies who use their talents and Oh, man, that apartment's coming around looking great, the deck on the front. I wish when I lived there we had a deck like that. Good night. Well, I wish we had the nice carpet and everything else that's in there now. Use your talents, your time, and your money for something that benefits God's people. That will tell you who your king is. He is your king when you recognize him. As your king. Secondly, we need to move forward here. He is our king, and we follow King Jesus when we obey his commandments. I'm not going to read that scripture, um, Mark 1 through 6, again. You know the story. Hey, Jesus told them to go in, and there's going to be a colt there, there's going to be an ass there. There, there, there's a donkey. You go get it and bring it back. And if anybody asks you, you just say, hey, hey, it's, it, it, it's okay. Um, the Lord needs it. I don't know about you, but I would have had a hard time following that. Um, I don't know if I would have been bold enough to, to when I found them. If, first of all, I, 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 are you sure he's there? How do you know he's there, Jesus? Well, kind of like he's king of king, Lord of lords, he knows everything. He's God. But these guys didn't, hadn't figured that out yet. How do you know that's going to be there? If I get there, that guy's going to... Ha- you know, I know the law. I'm going to be a horse thief. I think they stone horse thieves in, in, in Israel. You know, they hang them here. No, those, those whoever he sent in, whichever of the 12 he sent in, they obeyed him. They followed his instructions. John fourteen fifteen. If you love me, keep my commandments. John 14, 21, he that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me and he that loveth me shall be loved of my father and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. John fourteen twenty three. Jesus answered the son of them, if a man love me, he will keep my words and my father will love him and he will come unto him and make our abode with him. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings and the word which ye hear is not mine but the father's which sent me. John 15, if you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments. 15, 12, this is my commandment, you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatsoever I have commanded you. Matthew 11, come unto me all ye that labor are heaven laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me for I am meek and lowly in heart and ye shall find rest under your souls. My yoke is easy and my burdens is light. How many of y'all get really stressed out when it comes down to thinking about having to obey all of Jesus' commandments? Do you know how many commandments there are? There's a whole lot more than 10. Man, I can't keep up with the 10. But you know what the great thing is? Is Jesus has made provision and he has simplified things for us. So I don't have to remember all those little details, all those little things. I only have to remember four things. I can handle four most of the time. Let's see what Jesus tells us. Matthew 22, 37, Jesus said unto him, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself on these two commandments saying all the law and the prophets. Hey, that's easy. I just gotta love God and I gotta love people. I can handle that. Well, I can if I quit being selfish. I can if I really take to heart his words that if I love him, I'm going to keep his commandments. I just got to love God. How do you love God? Love God like you love everybody else. I love my wife. I love my kids. I love my little granddaughter. David, your great-granddaughter. I got to see them a little bit last week. In between... The flights and stuff. Now, Laurel took me to the airport and then she picked me up and she had Kennedy in the back and, and little girl's got these big old fat cheeks and she is just amazing. And I love, that little girl didn't have to do anything. I just love her. I'll do anything I can for her. My grandsons, I'll spoil them rotten. I didn't spoil their parents. Right, Gretchen? Y'all weren't spoiled. Took good care of them, so I can spoil the grandkids. Y'all don't understand your grandparents out there. It's it. You, listen, you can you, you train your children, and you spoil your grandparent kids. I love them, man. I don't. My son called me the other day, and uh, I could hear my grandson Drew in the back. Around. Let me see, let me have the phone, let me have the phone. He goes, this is a phone call, not a, a, a FaceTime, because we're used to FaceTiming. So he gets the phone so we can look at you and talk to you. And he runs around and tells me all sorts of things, and I get the ceiling. But <laughs> I love him. I love my wife. Man, you know what? I love y'all. It, it, you can't understand. it. When I was in... Bahamas last week when I was in Freeport and I saw that building and I remember what that building, how we filled it with, with supplies and we went around and saw some people after Dorian came through and, and I saw some of the people we had helped with, with, with food and, and, and with all the different things and, and I thought, what a great church, what a great people here at Sunshine. Oh, they're so loving and, and, and they, they, they respond and they give and their, their heart's in it. Friday, 147 families, is that right? Something like that. We're giving food here. Oh, by the way, if you guys can remember, you know, every time you get the buy one, get one, just buy one for you and get one for, for our food pantry. 147 families. I love you all. You all are amazing. And you're so good and kind to us. It's natural to love. We love God and then we can love each other. We just, look, I just need to treat you all the way, you need, the way I want to be treated. That shouldn't be so hard, should it? Yeah. Oh, by the way, there's two more commands. Matthew 28, 18. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Uh, there's a king again. He's got all the power. Go ye therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always even unto the end of the world. Amen. Love God, love people. Make disciples who make disciples. That's not so hard, is it? That's not so complicated. It's really pretty simple. We don't need to get off track and go into the weeds on all sorts of uh, doing this and doing that and fixing this and dressing this. You know what? When we start loving God, loving people, making disciples, make disciples, so much of the stuff that we try to to program in and and, and make people do and and see all this performance business, it just starts happening naturally. I'll do anything my wife asks me to do. Why? Because I love her. I'll do anything God asks me to do because I love Him. That's the motivation of work. I can't work hard enough. I can't be spiritual enough. I can't on my own do anything on a performance level that is perfect like our God. Praise the Lord, I don't have to, and you don't either. You don't have to perform your way into acceptance with Jesus. He just loves you. Just got to love him back. Love all those people around you like you love you. And then tell them about Jesus and, and tell them what you know about Jesus. You see, we make his commands hard. He doesn't. We add traditions that hinder and quench the spirit and we try to perform our way to get something that we already have and that's God's acceptance. You see, as a believer, we're accepted by God. We're totally loved by God. You can't do anything to make him love you more. And if you could ever get that resting in your heart, you'll be okay. You won't be stressed out, Lord. Well, Lord, if I don't do it this way and if I don't do this and oh, Lord, you might smash me. if I Stop all that stuff. God is not like that. Our king is not like that. Our king's the one that gave his life on a cross to take away our sin and who rose again to give us eternal life. Don't you see? That's an incredible love. And we who have trusted Christ as our Savior, we abide in that love We can't perform our way to make him love us more. How could he love us more if he's willing to die to take away our sins? No, we need to rest in those obedience. And thirdly, Jesus is going to be our king. We have to acknowledge him as king, we have to obey his commands. We better trust in his sovereignty. Once again, uh, in Mark 11, 5 and 6, we talk about them going to get the colt, the, cult, the donkey. And they went in and they did it. And Jesus knew he was sovereign to know that that colt would be there. He was in control. We go back to the prophecy in Zechariah. And Zechariah had said that this will happen. Well, God knew that would happen because he, Jesus as God, knew what was going to happen. He made that statement several hundred years before, and he's fulfilling it then. In fact, if you really want to know about the sovereignty of God, well, let's start in the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. You say, well, that's God. That's not Jesus. Um, Let me go to Colossians who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. Talking about Jesus. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things. And by him, all things consist. He's sovereign. He created it all. And by the way, it's still here because he's allowing it to still be here. He's in control. Psalm 62, 11 says, God hath spoken once, twice. Have I heard this, that power belongeth unto God? Yeah, God's in control. Psalm 103, verse 19, the Lord hath prepared his throne in heavens, and his kingdom ruleth over all. See, Jesus rules over everything. Don't worry about all that crazy stuff going on around us. Jesus is in control. Philippians 2.9, Wherefore God hath also highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven, of things in earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. <laughs> He's Lord. He's Lord. He is Lord. Revelation. We start at the beginning. Let's go to the end. Revelation 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him, to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John, who bear record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things that he saw. Blessed is he that readeth And they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. You see, there is no authority except from God. He alone is the sovereign ruler of the universe. And he put some authorities in our world. He put the government there to govern over citizens. He put the church over believers. He put parents over children he put masters over employees. You see all this stuff isn't exact- isn't it a mistake? God put who He wants in charge of what He wants. Gretchen, you are my daughter because God wants you to be my daughter. I do too. I like you as my daughter. He gave me the parents he gave me, He gave you the parents he gave you. My parents aren't perfect. Far from it, but they were the ones God gave me for whatever reason. He allowed us to be to be born here or to live here in this incredible country. But I tell you what, the elections don't surprise him. He knows who's in there. He knows who he puts up. He knows his reasons. He's in control. I could read a whole bunch out of... Uh, Romans chapter 13 here about how we're supposed to respond to that. I'm not going to spend that time. Just take this. God's in control. Don't get all don't get yourself all worked up over what's happening around us. God's in control. We just got to love him, love others make disciples make disciples. See if we just rest in that and understand he's in control of everything else, what do we have to worry about? 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 13. I give thee charge in the sight of God who quickeneth all things and before Christ Jesus who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession that thou keep his commandment without spot, unrebukable, until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which in his times he shall show, who is the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings, and the Lord of lords, who only hath immortality dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto, whom no man hath seen nor can see, to whom be honor and power everlasting. Amen. He's King of Kings, he's Lord of Lords and he's coming back. You're here this morning. here's the question. are you going to follow the king? Are you going to rest in his sovereignty, in his love, in his grace? Are you going to obey the commandments? Are you going to respond to his love with a love back to a want to obey? I can tell you something. Your life will be so much less stress if we follow that. And we just recognize him as being the king. We just obey the king's command and understand he's sovereign. He's in control. If you're here and you're never trusted Christ, he's still king. He's still sovereign. Maybe today you need to make him your king. You make him your king, first of all, by having a relationship with him. Not by a whole bunch of rules and regulations, but having a relationship. Understanding he loved you enough to die on a cross. He was buried, he rose again. That's the good news. That if we put our faith in him, we can't. We don't have to perform our way to try to be good. He took care of it. Our sins are forgiven, and when forgiven understand he'll never bring them up against us again. We never have to answer for anything we've ever done in the past, anything we're going to do in the future. And if you're sinning right now, you don't have to answer for that one either when you have trust Christ. He is the king. Those you who are believers, we need to follow the king. Let's pray.